All right, so I'm going to mute everybody, then going to speaker view and pin myself here. All right. So starting with the children's message this morning, I got three different. Three different things going. And that shouldn't have closed down. You know what? We're just going to get through this, right? So not looking at perfection. All right. So Miss Haley and whoever else uh, is listening for children's message this morning. I want to, first of all, talk to you today about remembering. Remembering is kind of important, right? Like this morning when uh, I was looking for my tablet and I couldn't find it and uh, didn't remember where I plugged it in. Uh, remembering is really important because it's really frustrating when you're looking for stuff and you can't remember where it is. And uh, fortunately, I have a wife that uh, knows exactly where everything is all the time. That's a wonderful gift that God has given you ladies. And uh, I don't know where I'd be. I'd forget my own head. But anyway... Uh, or how about when we remember that somebody did something really nice for us at one point in time, and what does that do? That helps us to uh, feel closer to them. It helps us maybe to be uh, be thankful, uh, maybe want to do something nice for them in return, right? So remembering is an important thing. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 15 says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. So when we're looking at this, this country, this nation of Israel, they're remembering how they used to be slaves at one point in time. And that's important, right? Because they're remembering how God set them free. And that, that memory helps them to uh, think about that, okay, well, if we're in another tough time, God is with us, and God's going to get us through, right? So uh, remembering is important. Also, if they remember that they were slaves at one time and remember how hard that is maybe to be a slave, maybe they would treat each other, treat their employees and people like that a little more kindly, right? Um, so again, remembering is important and tomorrow is memorial day a day of remembrance um it's a day to remember all the people that died in wars uh, protecting our country and why is that important because it helps us to be thankful for the freedoms that we have in our country for example, did you know that in some countries it's illegal to have certain hairstyles? Hmm, that would be a bummer, huh? Or to wear certain clothes? Illegal, like you could be fined or go to jail for some of this stuff. In one country I looked up, it's illegal for women to drive cars. How do you like that? That would be a bummer. In another country, it's illegal to make phone calls to a different country. Wow. And in some places, it's illegal 
to tell anybody about the Jesus who died for our sins. Can you imagine not being able to do that and having people never hear about the Lord who, who wants to save them and wants to be their best friend? So not only does remembering those who died make us thankful for the freedoms that we have, we also realize that doing the right thing isn't always easy. There's usually a cost involved to do the right thing. And there were people who were willing to pay with their lives for the freedoms that we have. And it's important for us to remember those uh, for tomorrow. So tomorrow is going to be a day off, a day of picnics, and, and some parades are still going on, and maybe backyard barbecue and, and things like that. But I think we also need to take a minute and remember those, uh, Haley and whoever else, maybe you want to color a picture uh, that reminds you to remember the people that gave their lives for the freedoms that we have. Okay? All right. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for those people that stepped up to fight in the wars at... Uh, Put their lives on the line and those that that died for the freedoms that we have help us lord to uh, treat those freedoms as important and uh, realize that we are blessed to be able to have a church together and talk about jesus and worship together and uh, do the things that we can do lord and help us to be willing to pay the price for the things that are important in life. We thank you, and we praise you, Lord. And bless our time together, Lord, with the rest of our service today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, a few years back, our daughter Jennifer came to visit us uh, at our home in Ohio, uh, up from Georgia, and it was winter time. And the morning that we were supposed to take her back to the airport, it had started to uh, freezing rain, or it was freezing raining, or how however you say it. Um, and it was getting a little slick out, and we started out going to the airport and one of the roads that we were supposed to be going on was closed and so being the uh, former New Yorkers uh, that we were we just found an alternate route and you know uh, the show goes on right you know let a little freezing rain get in the way well so we're on this alternate route and we came up over a hill and all of a sudden we're starting to go down the hill, and I see this intersection at the bottom. There's already a, an accident that had happened there, a fender bender, and we start to go down the hill, and I'm just lightly pumping my brake, and I start to go a little sideways, and I'm sliding down this hill uh, towards this intersection. And uh, so uh, this New Yorker, uh, is calling out to Jesus for all he's worth, uh, just so that my family and my car and the, this isn't in this crunchy fireball at the end of this thing. 
and just managed to get off to the side of the road before we got into the intersection and whew, we're safe. And uh, I mean, it was, it was a close call. So uh, then I thought about, you know, there's cars coming up over this hill behind me. And I thought to myself, well, at least we're safe. So we just started driving away and no, I couldn't do that, right? And neither could you. Uh, I'm thinking about these cars, they're gonna come up over this hill, so I gotta do something, right? So I'm charging back up this hill, frantically waving at the cars that are, that are coming in that direction to tell them, you know, you're about to hit this hill and you're 30 miles an hour and it's, it's a mess down there, don't go down there, you need to turn around and go back, this is, you know, this is a problem. Um, Cause we feel that burden of care, don't we? Uh, because we understand that it's not just some uh, random chance that is going on. People are, if they come up over the hill fast, they're gonna be in imminent danger. And there is something in you and I that rises up to, to get involved, to sound the warning, even to people that we don't know, right? so that we can help people to avoid tragedy, um, regardless of whether or not they heed our warning, we still wanna put out the warning, right? So similarly, um, let me ask you this, what is the greater danger, a temporary, uh, accident, a temporary earthly danger, or a permanent spiritual danger, right? If Jesus himself says that wide is the road that leads to destruction, uh, a place where there is weeping and unquenchable fire and darkness, uh, and many there are that end up there, how is it that many Christians like you and me simply don't feel the need to do much about that. Now, I believe that there's a number of reasons for that, but the one we wanna focus on today is that we ourselves may not be absolutely clear on what's going on absolutely clear that many of our friends and acquaintances are indeed sliding down a slippery hill to disaster. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 3, our next section in the Gospel of John. And here we have a conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee. Now, as we've said before, the Pharisees were the, kind of the religious elite at the time. They had the law down pat. I mean, they didn't just uh, tithe their income. They tithed off of the spices that they had growing on their windowsills. I mean, they did everything to the nth degree. And they, they not only uh, kept the Ten Commandments, they not only kept what, what most people saw as the law, they had a lot of other laws and rules and traditions that they added, uh, around 600 of them from what I understand, uh, that, they, that they had to keep as, as Pharisees. 
like if you didn't wash your hands before you ate that before you ate that you were ceremonially unclean religiously unclean before god and you were defiled so you remember that he uh, the pharisees and the disciples had a little uh, rift over that so the key is that uh they were keeping all those rules and they had things that they could do if they broke one to get things right. Um, but for them, then, it was possible to be absolutely blameless, to be totally righteous before God. Uh, even the, the Apostle Paul said that when he was a Pharisee, that according to the law, he was blameless. Uh, all you had to do was to make sure that you crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. In other words, they, as Pharisees, they were good enough to go to heaven with honors, really, especially if they compared themselves to other people. And they were held to be examples. They were leaders. They were teachers of God's people. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he starts showing some signs that he's no ordinary guy. He's maybe a prophet, maybe more than that. He's healing, he's doing miracles, uh, he's also teaching. But in some of the things that he teaches, he's not lining up with the pharisaical interpretation of scripture. And in some of the things that he's doing, like allowing his disciples to eat with unwashed hands, he's calling some of their traditions into question, some of their long-standing traditions, some of their long-held beliefs of interpretations of Scripture. And, of course, everybody just loves to have their beliefs challenged, right? <laughs> no. Um, so, especially when Jesus talks to the Pharisees and he says things like, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You've got the outside looking spectacular, looking great. You're looking blameless. Nobody has anything against you. But inside, you still have things like greed and lust and envy and revenge going on in your hearts. And, you know, just like you and I all know that we can do good things with selfish motives, right? We can teach Sunday school for 47 years faithfully and at the same time be cheating on our taxes, at the same time be uh, holding a grudge, holding bitterness against somebody, against a, a neighbor, whatever, uh, all the while telling ourselves, hey, we're good as gold because we do this and this and this and this and this. And especially when we compare ourselves to other people that don't go to church and they don't do this and they don't do that. We look like the Pharisees. We look like we're gold. We look like we've got it made in the shade. Um, but let's look at this conversation here uh, between that attitude and what Jesus has to say to this Pharisee. John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says to him, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So here is Nicodemus, this Pharisee, and he comes to Jesus because he's conflicted in his heart. If any, if any of you have, have seen that in the... Uh, in that series, The Chosen, that we've been talking about, uh, I think they capture it really, really well. This, this older Pharisee who's been teaching, who's, who's been reverenced for his knowledge of the scriptures, he's conflicted. He comes to Jesus. He sees what he's been doing. He sees the miracles. But he doesn't understand some of what Jesus is doing. So he comes to Jesus and he comes by night because of his, uh, most of his other Pharisee buddies. Uh, again, they don't like to be challenged. They've already written Jesus off. And he says to Jesus, Rabbi or teacher, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And you can almost hear Jesus saying, but, right? Um, and Nicodemus say, but I don't understand. What about this? And what about that? And what about the other thing? Right? You can, you can just kind of, but Jesus doesn't go there. Jesus doesn't say, but he cuts right to the chase. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Ba-bam! right? Mic drop. Um, Jesus bypasses all of, the, all of the questions and all of this and all that and goes right to the heart of the issue. Beyond Nicodemus, beyond the Pharisees, he is speaking about the universal human condition. Or as Paul said it this way in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus says, that unless something very specific happens, a person cannot see the kingdom of God. There's no ifs, no ands, no buts, no tithing spices, no teaching Sunday school. All that stuff is great, but without this other specific thing, no one is going to make it, period. Unless a man or a woman or a child is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. They will not be allowed in, period. That's not my words. That is the words of Jesus himself. Now, we talked um, several weeks ago when we were still in our lovely building um, about being born again, what it's all about. 
if you can remember, I had that pitcher of water that I poured Kool-Aid in, right? Um, I added something from the outside that changed what was inside the pitcher. In the same way, when you and I, when a person, when a human being comes to the revelation, comes to the understanding by God's grace that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and that, that they can't do it themselves and they put their trust in Jesus as Savior, Jesus says, I will come in. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. His Spirit and our Spirit come together. There is an intermingling and something is changed on the inside. And that change begins to show on the outside. Just like Jesus said to Nicodemus, you don't know where the wind's coming from. You don't know where it's going, but you know it's there. You can see the trees moving. You can see the fields going back and forth. You can hear the sound. There is a difference that is made. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God comes into us where our hearts are changed from the inside and we begin to reverence God ways that we never have before. We begin to appreciate his ways and we want to uh, put those things into practice in our hearts, right? There are changes being made. Other people that see our lives are saying, you're not the same person that you were before. That's what happens when you and I are born again. Again, we're not perfect, we're in process, right? We're, we're, we're in progress in our walk with the Lord. So in other words, it doesn't matter how nice a person is. It doesn't matter how friendly they are to their neighbors. They're always the first one there to help. They're, they're, again, they've, they've taught Sunday school. They've done this. They've done that. They, they've been going to church for 97 years. They've been doing this and that. The other thing, it doesn't matter. Um, it, it's all good stuff. It's all absolutely wonderful thing. But, um, I mean, the Pharisees were all of that on steroids, right? But again, Jesus cut through all that and said, unless you're born again, all of that means nothing when it comes to heaven. We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God provided that way for us not to perish, but have everlasting life. But go down to verse 18. And verse 18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. What does it, believe, what does it mean to believe in his name? The name Jesus, the Hebrew equivalent of that is Yeshua. The Lord is salvation. In other words, to believe in that name means we are believing that Jesus died for our sins. We are believing that he provided for our salvation, that we can't do it on our own. But all of our good works and all the good things that we might do and compared to other people, it's all for naught. Jesus Christ had to save 
us. So to believe in that name is to believe that he is our savior and our only savior. And the scripture says then, whoever does not believe and consequently by believing be born again is condemned already. You and I as human beings, we start out condemned. Anyone who has not been born again according to Jesus, according to the scripture, is condemned already. They are on that slippery downhill slope towards spiritual, eternal disaster. And I think you and I need to get that concept. We, we need to meditate on that. We need to think about our nice neighbor and our nice coworker. And not that we, you know, bust in like a bull in a china shop and hit them over the uh, head with the Bible um, because they're, they're not Pharisees. They're not, you know, thinking that they know it all or whatever. But to begin to build relationships with people out of the same love that God had when he gave his son, it's like my neighbor, if I don't do something, if I don't share something, if I don't, you know, be that light to the world, they are not going to make it. They are standing in condemnation and I have an opportunity to warn them, to flag them down, to let them know what's, what's up ahead, but more importantly, to let them know about a savior who died for them, to let them know about this opportunity that God has given everybody out of his love for them to make it to heaven, to come into a relationship with him, to not perish, but have everlasting life. So what does it take? Um, for some people, it might take, you know, that kind of, uh, but for others, it's just, it's starting a relationship, starting respectful um, dialogue, not debates, not getting people into arguments, not, not getting on Facebook and saying, well, you're wrong, and da -da -da -da. all of that stuff just turns people off. Loving people, serving people, building that relationship so that we have an opportunity to speak with our lives, to speak with our actions, and then to speak with our words, to do what we can to help them to make it, to help them to avoid disaster. Because we don't want to get to heaven someday and go, phew, we made it, and think about the lives that we could have touched along the way. And so the prayer is today that God would burden us for our neighbors, burden us for our coworkers. We're not trying to notch our gun. We're not trying to be, you know, spiritually this or that, but that God would develop in us his heart for the lost. And I can tell you personally that there's times that I have felt that uh, greater and there are times that I have felt so absorbed in my own life in my own little world that you know that's down the street I can't see it from my house you know um, 
So I think it's perfectly appropriate to say, God, would you burden my heart for others? Would you give me your love for them? Would you give me the kind of love and compassion that, that causes me to rise up and want to be a good neighbor, a good fellow coworker, not to write somebody off as they're, they're I don't like the way they act, so I'm just going to avoid them. They're the ones that need it most, right? So God, help me to get beyond myself and to love like you love so that I can make a difference in the lives of people. We're looking at Memorial Day. We're looking at sacrificing for the greater cause, right? What can be a greater cause than eternity? Amen? So let's do what we can. Let's ask the Lord to touch our hearts for others. And let's get in the battle and uh, do what we can for this world that he's given us to minister to. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we do ask you to touch our hearts. God, there's just so much going on in this fast-paced world and uh, so many potential opportunities, Lord, that, that sometimes we miss, uh, me included, because I've got too many earthly things going on. But Lord, you've, you've put us here. You've put a message on our hearts. You've, you've put the truth, Lord, in us. So God, we ask you to burden our hearts for our families, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, Lord, whoever you would put in our path. Help us to see people like you see them, lost and without a shepherd. Help us, Lord. Let, let your spirit rise up within us, that spirit of compassion and love that we will reach out in your love. And God, we leave the results up to you. We know that some people, they're not going to want to hear it. But Lord, help us to realize they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting you. But let us know in our hearts, Lord, that we have lovingly done all that we can to share your love with others. And uh, again, we, we put the results in your hands. We can't convince anybody of anything, Lord. That's, that's your department. We just reach out in your name and in your love. Help us to do that, Lord, each and every day. Thank you. And we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen.